What is going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another edition of the John and Randall Football Experience. My name is John Avino, and with me, as always, via the telephone in Florida, although I don't know if you're down there right now, Randall, because you've been a traveling salesman these days. Randall Minogue, what's going on, my man? John, I'm doing great. I'm calling in via the John and Randall Satellite Network. You know, it's very exclusive. That way we can give the viewers at home the best experience possible. Yeah, it's a private Wi-Fi calling network uh, that is direct line between you and I, and that's it. So there's no interference, nothing like that. Where are you right now, though? Are you in Florida or no? Yep, I'm back in Florida right now. um, And... I get to play 36 holes at private golf courses tomorrow, so I'm excited about that. I was going to say, it's top. yeah, it's been a while since once you've the, been bragging to me about how you're still golfing, and it's going to be pretty soon that I'm not going to be able to get out there because of the weather. Yeah, I've been golfing like three, four days a week over the past like three weeks, so I've been I've been a little bit of an addict, if you if you must say, you know. <laughs> but um, so I'm I'm excited for 36 tomorrow. Of course, there's going to be money on the line. One of the courses I'm going to tomorrow. Uh, is actually rated the top five best clubhouses in the country. Beautiful private course, um, free breakfast, free lunch, free dinner, you know, beautiful, 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 beautiful. Well, if there's anybody who deserves that, it's you. So I'm glad to hear that you're getting out there to play because you've been working hard and uh, you deserve a a nice day on the course at a nice place like that. and, and, And even better, you know what's coming to Miami? What? The Live Golf Tour. I'm going to get to see my man Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be reunited. Did you see him walking into the wire the other day trying to go past? And that was pretty. That was played it off. Yeah, that was I that did. was pretty bad. But, hey. Unfortunately, yeah. He's still no, your this guy. Isn't the, this isn't called the John and Randall Golf Podcast, though. <laughs> I get that. No, what this is? This is the John and Randall Football Experience. So, you know what I'm ready to do? Talk football. Talk some football. So am I not? I'm not allowed to mention that Aaron Judge is going to hit the 61st home run tonight against the Red Sox. I can't say that. It's weird though for him being a Yankee. I don't hate him. He's he's not a he's not a hateable guy. I mean, he's a a lot like Derek Jeter. Only I think people did dislike Jeter. Jeter. Yeah, I I was just going to say, but he doesn't do anything wrong. People just dislike Jeter because he was anointed to be better than he really was. Judge is the real deal, though. That is so. true. I mean, this man, not only is he, this might be the best Triple Crown season we've ever seen. Might be the best season we've ever seen. I mean, seen. he hasn't I mean, won the Triple Crown yet, but if he does with the numbers he has, it's arguably the best season Triple Crown ever, yeah. But know what's going underappreciated? Paul Goldschmidt. That man's hitting like 320 with 30 bombs and 120 RBIs. Like, yeah, you know what? I, I think second. he'll be plenty appreciated when he wins the NL MVP. The thing I still hate is that people are still like, oh, is Judge or Otani? And I'm like, come on. I know what Otani's doing is unbelievable, but give me a break. If, if you give the MVP to Judge or to Otani over Judge this year, uh, that's just ridiculous. Imagine he wins the Triple Crown and doesn't win MVP. That would be the most absurd <laughs> thing ever. He's 22. Aaron Judge is 22 for his last 44. He's hitting 500 his last 44 at bats. Um, but anyway, that's enough enough of that because that's we're going to lose people here, Randall. This is the John Randall football experience. You're right. You're right. Uh, so last week was a wild week in the NFL. Uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, there was crazy finishes all over the place. No matter where you looked, uh, you saw one. And I mean, 
the most obvious and glaring, I think, of every one of them is, well, maybe to some people, but especially to me, having a lot of friends who are Jets fans, and you, of course, being a Patriots fan and uh, and being in the same division as the Jets, the Jets coming back against the Browns, the Browns were up by 13 points with, I believe, what, two and a half, three minutes to go, and mathematically, mathematically, they could have run down the clock and I think probably gotten it down to 40 seconds and still kicked the field goal to make it a 16-point game at that point uh, and then kicked the ball off to the Jets with less than 40 seconds. Instead, what happened was, or excuse me, I think this was when they were only up by 7 still uh, because they didn't they hadn't scored that second touchdown yet. So they were up by 7. They could have run the clock down. They could have gotten it down to 40 seconds and then gone up by 10. And then you're forcing this Jets team to go down the field and need 10 points in you know however many minutes they had or less than 40 seconds excuse me what happened instead was Nick Chubb scores and again it's not really all his fault he had a great day you can't really blame him because he's the best player on the team but somebody's got to be out there telling these guys look this is the situation this is what it comes down to mathematically and at the end of the day it's on Kevin Stefanski I mean he failed this team they lost the game not only because of all these mistakes, the Jets still had to execute and score two touchdowns. They obviously missed that extra point, too, after Chubb scored that touchdown, which was the most brutal part. But, I mean, you know, this is this is a uh, failure by the head coach here, in my opinion, Randall. Do you see it any other different way? I mean, I look at it this way. Yes, could he have gone down once he crossed the – would have been on, what, the two-yard line, three-yard line for the first down? I definitely – think that they would have been able to run the clock out from there just kneel 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 um and that would have been the game however i get it you know nick chubb goes into the end zone but at the end of the day how often are you thinking you're up 13 with i understand that 30 to go a minute 30 to go you're like okay we just need to get a stop on or two on defense okay they score a touchdown guess what chances of them getting an onside kick are slim to none let where's where's the hands team I want to know where the hands team was at for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Amari Cooper was out there. He tried to knock the ball what, out of bounds. And I think that's what screwed it all up. Yeah, like just like guys trying to do crazy things. Just go, go win the game. Go grab the ball. You know, well, like so you just said ball. it though. You just said it. Go win the game, and I, that's to me the thing that the Browns don't employ anybody who is able to sit there and say, "Hey, by the way, if you do the math here." Uh, if we can get one more first down, we should take it and not score. Because this is not like it's a new thing. I mean, this is a common practice that teams do in order to seal off victories. I mean, hell, I watched the Rams the other day up by six after they tried to blow a huge lead, which we'll talk more about in a few. They t- purposely took a safety because they wanted to have room to punt the ball away. These are things that coaches are thinking of. And, you know, I think that somebody in Cleveland has to have the ability to go down and say, look, if we get one more first down here, we should not score because we're up by this much. We will take two knees or three knees and then kick a field goal. And worst case scenario, even if we miss that field goal, it's a seven point game with under 40 seconds to go. And they have to go 98 yards to score the game-tying touchdown. That's where well, the failure comes. They still had to, regardless, they still had to go, what, 85, uh, 80 yards? You know, 75 well, yards? Yeah, no, you're not wrong, but it's a much Cleveland different... Playing? Cleveland was probably playing prevent, right? Nothing over the top, nothing over the top. And what always happens when you play prevent, 
You get you burned. I mean, that's what. Anything. Yeah. You can never prevent anything when you're playing prevent. Like, it makes no sense why teams still go to this. I mean, in college, in the NFL, I, I, the amount of times I've seen people that they go into prevent defense and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, the team is marching down the field, scoring a touchdown or they're, they're in scoring position. I, I do not understand it. What is the thing? When you're in prevent defense, you have everybody obviously drop back, right? Yeah. But you're only rushing what two, three guys. What is what does a quarterback love? Time. It, yeah. A quarterback wants time in the pocket. I don't care if there's twenty guys downfield. They're, they're 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 eventually somebody's gonna get open across the middle of the field because they're so far back and you're just gonna be able to get picked apart time after time. I do not understand it. The best way to not let them go over the top on you. Yeah, don't let your corners get beat, but apply pressure to the quarterback. He's not going to be able to throw the ball deep if you're applying pressure to him. Yeah, no, I mean, you're not wrong. I just, <laughs> I think that there's, look, you're, you're talking about the gameplay part of it, and look, and you're right, because you said this earlier too, how many times are you actually thinking when you're up by that much, 13, with that little time left that you're going to blow this game? And so many things had to go right for the Jets still, even after the you know the blown decision if you want to call it that going down the field maybe it was not for on the front of their mind you better believe it's going to be going forward though for the browns is but it, I, is it a blown decision because last year I maybe that's a harsh way to year, put it but i still it, think it's it's a coaching no, failure a hundred percent because last year i believe nick chubb did dive in bounds to keep the clock running on a run he could have stopped on like the one or two he stopped on like the two yard line or something like that last year because it's like yeah they, moved, they called down from uh, the booth. They told us this is what we needed to do, and th- they did that. There was a video clip of them saying that last year, and it resurfaced after this incident. However, they had multiple t- chances to rectify that poor decision to not do that. It's only a poor decision, really, if the Jets win the game. Guess what? The Jets won the game. It, 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 was, a, it was a poor coaching decision because – you had a chance to get the onside kick. And then you had a chance to stop them twice. You let them march down the field twice. Like, so yeah. That, so they, they had, had to get the onside chances. kick, too. It's just. Yeah. So you had multiple chances to, to win that game. And you blew every single one of those opportunities, um, which does come down to coaching by having them be in the wrong defense, not putting, not assuring the special teams knowing what to do if the ball comes to them. You know, so I mean, yeah, does not telling them to take a knee in bounds hurt them? Yes, but I think there were other things that after that really hurt them more. Yeah, no, that's a good perspective to have on it because I just at this point, honestly, I, I, I still going to sit on the side of I think that they probably should have had somebody make the decision, but you're not wrong and say it's just it's a tough. When there's so many things going on and so many things had to go right, it's also tough to argue against what you're saying. So that wasn't the only crazy game around the league last week, though, Randall. Uh, there was plenty of other wild and exciting finishes. Uh, you know, the, the next game that probably sticks out to me the most would be the uh, Raiders-Cardinals game. Raiders, I think, were leading this game 20 nothing at halftime. Uh, ended up going to overtime 23-23. Kyler Murray... Ends up pulling it out. Uh, obviously, the joke on him had been that he never played well in one of these kinds of weekends. I think it was a big weekend for Call of Duty, and he's a big gamer. 
Uh, but he had a big comeback. So, I mean, the Raiders, I think, you know, we're both of the mindset that they're going to be one of those teams in the AFC West, along with everybody else in the AFC West who plays well this season, has a chance to win. This was just a really bad loss, though, from your boy Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. I mean, this was an insane comeback. I mean, not only did they come back down 20-0, to zero, they converted two two-point conversions on they converted a fourth down as time expired and on the fourth down and on one of the two-point conversions he was running around like a chicken with his head cut off (laughs) and this man was able to make it into the end zone john both times and then on the fourth thing uh the second two-point conversion to tie the game to send it to overtime he made an insane throw to who was it was it aj green yeah it was uh, aj green yep um, so, I mean, that was just that, – that was literally insane to watch. I mean, he made an incredible catch on it, incredible throw. And then, guess what? The defense came out and did exactly what they had to do against Kyler Murray, right? He, did he get the ball to start or was it – No, Hunter Renfro, I believe, fumbled two times in a row. Cur- cur- no, yeah. He did, but I'm saying, like, did Arizona get the ball to start the game, though? To oh, start to, to start overtime – well, yeah, that did, was – no, it, it might have been them to start. I'm not sure if they gave it up or not, but, yeah. Obviously, they won but it yeah, on the fumble Hunter, recovery yeah, touchdown, Metro yeah. Fumbled twice. He got the first one back miraculously. And then they go back to him. He's fighting for a couple extra yards, and pop, that thing came out hot, and they just ran it back all the way. Yeah. I would be sick to my stomach if I was on a run throw. Yeah, so the, the Cardinals did get the ball first in overtime, and they had it down to a fourth and one in the Vegas 37. Rather than try a 55-yard field goal, they went for it, and they did not get it. Uh, and then they turned over, and that was when Derek Carr had a couple completions. And then it, of course, came down to, uh, I think, Hunter Renfro fumbled. They recovered their own fumble. There was one play in between where Derek Carr... Uh, tried to pass to Devontae Adams, and the very next play, Hunter Renfro fumbled again, and the game ended. Uh, I mean, this was a crazy comeback. I was on the side of obviously wanting the, the Raiders to win as a guy who's a Rams fan and rooting directly for uh, you know the team that's playing a team in my own division, and of course, just a crazy comeback. But then there was also this Dolphins-Ravens game, Randall. I mean, you just couldn't make up how many crazy comebacks there were the other day. This one might have taken the cake on all of them because the Ravens were up three touchdowns. I think the score was 35-14 to going into the fourth quarter. And somehow the Dolphins ended up winning this game 42-38. to Your boy Tua threw six touchdowns. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell both had 11-plus catches for 170-plus yards and two touchdowns. I mean, do you think this Dolphins team is this legit? Do you think the Ravens team choked this way? I mean, what what did you make of this game? We're, we're about to find out how legit this Dolphins team is on Sunday when they go up against Josh Allen, who's 6-0 and or 7-0, and I believe, in his career against them. Um, and on top of that, that's just the, it's just a huge flop by the Ravens. There is no excuse. I mean, there is no excuse on why – you lose a game like that when you're up 21 points in the third quarter and what is their secondary doing i mean i get it tyree kill is fast but is uh, so fast that he's he's that wide open i mean same with jamie waddle jamie waddle ain't that fast 
pretty hmm. fast, but I mean, like, come on, guys. Like, can, can we at least keep somebody, like, enclosed a little bit? I mean, Tyreek Hill's, mean, like, the fastest guy in the league, or one of them. He, 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 he's fast. He, that's why they call him Cheetah, because he is that fast. I get that. However, I don't know if they just got lazy. I don't, I don't know what happened, but for him to get – he was wide open 90% of the time, John. Yeah. Like, wide open. I mean, nobody within, like, a 15-yard radius of the man. That's how wide open he was. Yeah, it looked like it was Justin Jefferson week one against the Packers at times because you're right. It was, it was like that. But, I mean, this was – the whole thing was for three quarters. The Dolphins only had 14 points on the board. And, again, it looked like it was just going to be a mediocre game for them. You know, the Ravens looked really good, and then all of a sudden the perfect storm of things had to go right for the Dolphins, and they did. And you can't really uh, take anything away from them, obviously, but it's just going to be kind of crazy to see if this continues. And for the Ravens, I mean, what a game to lose. How do you, I mean, that's, how do you Didn't lose that? Did they miss a conversion on fourth and goal? Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. Earlier in the game, they had fourth and goal, and I'm not sure if they fumbled. I'm not sure if they just... Uh weren't able to get it in but now you look at it like crap maybe you should have took that field goal hindsight yeah well i mean that's i mean honestly there's a lot of games where you can point to one or two things like that i think the games where you have a lead like this size that's blown you know every coach can second guess oh man we lost that game by three points and i didn't kick a field goal here instead we went for it didn't get it but the fact that they were leading by three touchdowns that's the thing that like it makes it hard to go back now at this point and do what you're doing. And I, I understand why you're doing it, but the whole point is that, you know, they should have never been in a situation where they have to second-guess any of these things because they had a three-touchdown lead. It's the same thing to me as the Browns. Like, the Browns were in a situation where, and we talked about it already, but they were in a situation where they mathematically could have just won the game. Not quite the same for the Ravens here, but how do you possibly blow three touchdowns with a full quarter to go? I mean, I guess... You've seen it happen before. Brady brought the, the, the Patriots back to 25 in just over a quarter. Uh, and I think it was a quarter and four minutes or whatever it was against Atlanta in the Super Bowl. But it's just crazy. Yeah, tw- 28 to 3. Speaking of 28 to 3s, John, oh, God. they were down 28 to 3 to your Rams. Yeah. And they actually almost won the game. So this was, I thought, for you know all intents and purposes, this was going to be the reverse jinx. Obviously, the Rams didn't have anything to do with that 28-3 Super Bowl, but you know they have a connection to the Patriots. The Falcons obviously lost that game after went losing 28-3, and then all of a sudden I look up the scoreboard and it's 28-3 Rams, and I'm like, okay, we, I feel pretty good. Uh, and then suddenly, As you should have 28-3. Yeah, suddenly things started to go a little bit south, though, uh, as they say. It was, I mean, I don't know. I, you really can't make up. What happened in the second half, the Rams, it was 21-3 at halftime. The Rams came out, they scored a touchdown, um, Cooper Cup. And then all of a sudden it was Drake London, four-yard touchdown. Okay, not a big deal, 18-point lead still. Rams had a field goal, okay, you're back up to 21 points. And then all hell broke loose, uh, you know, quite honestly. They went down the field, scored again to make it a 14-point game. And I'm, in the back of my head, I'm still thinking, okay, 14 points with eight minutes to go. You know, this is in the bag. Like, the Rams are a really good team. There's no way they're going to blow this. They need to go out and get a couple first downs. They shouldn't have a problem doing that. Lo and behold, the next drive, they come out. Uh, I don't think it was quite three and out, but they ended up punting uh, or attempting to punt, and that punt was blocked in return for a touchdown, then all of a sudden it was a freaking game. Um, the Falcons chose to go for two 
in this spot. They got it, and right when they got the two-point conversion, I was sitting there saying to myself, this is setting up for a one-point Rams loss because the Falcons got the two-point conversion. They've already gotten the hard part over with, and now they're playing to win this game with a with a touchdown and extra point. And I got to tell you, you know, Sean McVay, I don't know if he thought he was going to be in the situation he was in at the end of this game, but the fact that he had to come up with the idea to take a safety, uh, which I mentioned a little bit earlier when I was talking about the Browns, but the fact that he has to do, to come up with the idea for his, he basically sent his return man out there to field the punt and then, or to field the, where the punter would have kicked from. Uh, in place of his punter, and then had that guy run all the way back to the end zone to take a safety on purpose. Therefore, the Rams would have plenty of room to free kick because they were terrified they would have another blocked punt. Uh, I know I'm being very wordy and ranty right now, Ramble, but this is all to say, yeah, they almost blew it. It was 28-3. to The final score ended up being 31-27. to So that, to me, says the Falcons outscored them 24-3. With the interception to in three. the end zone, wasn't it? Yeah, the final play of the game, the final, so here's what happened after that, is Riley Dixon, the Rams punter, did get the free kick away, uh, obviously, because there's nobody rushing him to punt it. At this point, it's only a four-point lead instead of six points, because obviously they conceded the two points on the safety. The punt went out of bounds. So, when that happens, the ball gets moved up to the next tenth of a yard, ten-yard line or whatever, so if it's in front of the 30, it goes to the 40. If it's in front of the 40, it goes to the 50. And that's what happened. It went to the 50, and then uh, Marcus Mariota was able to try to throw the ball towards the end zone. Luckily, Jalen Ramsey came up with an interception, and that was how the game ended. But I got to tell you, it was reminiscent of watching the Rams teams of the late 2000s that I loved watching lose games. I mean, they found ways to lose games even when they were winning, and this was one of those where I'm like, this cannot be possibly happening. Uh, and it happened, but luckily they held on by four points. They didn't cover any sort of spread, which of course, you know, was 10 points like a lot of these other guys were, but in the end, I'll take the W as the fan and that's what matters most to me, but it was a huge debacle in that second half. I mean, (laughs) you got the win. I mean, Matthew Stafford looked good coming out 10 for his first 10, you know, uh, Cooper Cup doing what he does best. Daryl Henderson looking like... He's going to still get a majority of Even, And, the, dude, Allen Robinson looked good, too. Yeah, so, I mean, congrats. You look good against a bad team. Now you play another okay team coming into this week. So, yeah, I mean, but the, this, the Rams this, and McVay own the Cardinals, so. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. I'm, I want you to be happy going into Sunday just in case there's an upset. I, I'm always happy about stuff going into <laughs> Sunday, so you don't have to worry about me. I've got plenty of things to be happy about. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, so some of these other big spreads, the Broncos didn't cover their 10 either. Uh, Randall, I believe you said that was the lock of the year. Unfortunately, I thought Russell Wilson was going to come out and, and ball. I mean, the defense did a great job. They did exactly what they had to do. However, they only won by seven. They needed to win by 10. Yeah. And yes, I did say that was the lock of the year because, I mean, Opening day for Russ. I'm thinking, okay, coming off a bad loss, you're going to want to be playing at home. You're going to want to get this W, yada, yada, yada. You know, but what hurt, I wasn't accounted for this. No pun intended. What hurt was Jerry Judy getting hurt in the first quarter of first play of the game. He makes a catch and boom, he's out of the game. Yeah. You know, so that I don't think, I think if Jerry Judy plays, that's a diff- this game's a different story because they had a horrible time on the offensive side. 
getting anything going, John. I mean, the fans were booing Nathaniel Hackett. The fans were booing Russ. I mean, can you blame them? No, not really, well, because the offensive side of things sucked. The fans weren't just booing. I believe at one point they were taunting them by counting the play clock down because there was a situation where Brandon McNass was out there to attempt a field goal, and then they had to delay a game, and they had to bring the punter out. And for a guy like Nathaniel Hackett, who's already had, obviously, the rough week one uh, you know, where they lost to Seattle in Seattle, and he gets questioned for the, the end of the game when they uh, they choose to kick the field goal instead of letting Russ try to get the first down. You know, he's in an impossible situation where, like, what's he supposed to do? Obviously, he has to send the punter back out there now because they're five yards back, but the offense just looked atrocious at times. The thing that I read today that was pretty interesting was that the... I don't remember the exact stats, so I don't want to act like it's gospel or anything, but the Broncos efficiency offensive efficiency i believe it was is actually top five in the league until they get to the red zone this season which is just baffling because they've had multiple uh you know drives stalled in the red zone obviously the first week they had the two goal line fumbles um i believe they had another red zone turnover in this game am i wrong no, you're, yeah, they had, they didn't score in the red zone in this game either. I think it was outside the red zone as well. Yeah, and I'm not sure if Russell Wilson's interception happened in the red zone or if there was another fumble, but I feel like I remember reading uh, that they had another interception or, or turnover in the red zone this week. But the point being that, you know, if they could just figure things out inside the 20, they've got things clicking. You know, they've got two running backs who can both play. They've got a quarterback who obviously can play. Uh, and these receivers are pretty good too. It's not just Judy. It's Cortland Sutton who's pretty good. Um, you know, even beyond him, they have some guys as well. So I'm excited to see what they can do. But they just, you know, it's been a rough start for them so far after losing to Seattle and then barely squeaking out. Uh, you know, one touchdown, I wouldn't say that's barely squeaking out, but when you only score 16 points to the Texans, uh, that's that's not a good look, especially at home. So if they had not won, their crowd would have probably rioted and picketed on the field or something. But, uh, you know, luckily for them, they got out with a win. Um, and then just picking and choosing some of these other games to quickly to talk about, uh, you know, the Lions, they had a nice nine-point victory. I think you and I, I, I don't know if you're with me on this, Randall, but I'm pretty high on the Lions this year. I like Dan Campbell a lot. I think the NFC being as wide open as it is uh, in general, the whole conference is going to bode well for them. And I do like the Packers and Vikings too, but I like the Lions a lot. I, hey, I don't, I don't know why you like – but who would you say you like the Packers and the Vikings? I, Vikings, yeah. I like both oh, of them too. Yeah, so I mean, I like the Lions. I mean, hey, they're one of the top scores in – in the NFL through two weeks. I, th- I believe they're the second highest scorer. They scored in, uh, 35 so in against the Eagles and then 36 against the Commanders. Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately for me, I picked the Vikings to beat them in our survivor pool uh, for this week, um, which, by the way, you are eliminated. <laughs> is that is that correct, John? Are yeah, two, about two weeks in. People? Two weeks in, yeah, the Broncos and then the Browns did me did They me call dirty. that two and screw because you're gone john (laughs) yeah you know i wish that i was alone in being uh eliminated as early as i was because this year seemed to be a theme that people were going to get outed quick because there was some crazy games but yeah i'm hoping for a side pool for that for a survivor pool for sure yeah so you need you need a couple more people to get knocked out but i mean there's only out of 100 people i think there was only 35 maybe a little less, that actually have zero losses through the first two weeks. Yeah, it's pretty incredible when you think about it. Um, I, mean, and I mean, that is just because of some of these crazy games. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, there's been just so many upsets, I mean, that weren't accounted for. And I'm hoping I'm not one of those victims this week where, uh, I I mean, Kirk Cousins isn't playing primetime this Sunday. It's a 1 o'clock game against Detroit at home. So I'm hoping that Kirk Cousins in his 500 career overall record can uh, come through for me one time. Uh, so that way I, I don't take a loss and I can go into a uh, – week four uh as one of the hopefully only undefeated people remaining well yeah you you just brought it up Kirk Cousins I mean what in the world was that Monday night that we watched with him in Philly I mean I'm like I just said a moment ago I'm pretty high on the Vikings this year too overall especially after that first week where they came out and kind of smacked around the Packers a little bit I thought they were gonna win this game I took them money line um, you know, even though they didn't win, I thought maybe they'd stay competitive if they didn't win, and it just wasn't even close. I mean, they got blown out. They didn't get anything going offensively. Kirk Cousins, you said it. He is a bum during Monday Night Football, but he's you're lucky he's not playing Monday Night this week. Yeah, so we'll see if that was the right choice. I was also debating between Buffalo over Miami, and I was debating between the Bengals over the Jets. However, the Jets did beat the Bengals last year. Joe Flacco, I mean... Talk about guys wowing people. I mean, he's second in the league or third in the league in yards through two games. Yeah. Zach Wilson, you better watch out because if Joe Flacco gets hot, I don't think they're going to let you in and play. Well, here's the thing with Joe Flacco is that guillotine football league that I've been talking about, I am now using Joe Flacco as my quarterback this week. That's where I'm at because Matt Ryan is my oh. guy and he oh. has looked cooked. Oh. Who saw that coming? That's yeah, a well, that's what I—that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about, real quick. Uh, you know, the Jaguars' twenty-four nothing win over the Colts the other day. Matt Ryan just looked awful. I mean, this Colts team. A lot of people thought, you know, I, I, a lot of people said maybe they could be a version of what the Rams were last year, adding a guy like Ryan to a team that people thought was ready to compete. But this looks nothing like a team that's ready to compete for a Super Bowl this year. The Colts. Would you agree? Yeah. No, I mean. Granted, one of their top wide receivers in Michael Pittman was out. True, um, but I mean, for the other than that, I mean, it's. But to allow a twenty-four spot to the Jags, I mean, this is a team they. The hey, Jags have Carson beat them. Put up some points there. <laughs> True, uh, I mean, the Jags have beaten the Colts like ten times in a row in Jacksonville or something. It's ridiculous. Uh, but I, I did. I just. I don't know. I think the Colts, and this makes this division very interesting because now. The Jaguars lead the division, Randall. They're 1-1. One and one. Obviously, the Titans got blown out by the Bills, so they're 0-2 now. Uh, and all of a sudden, that AFC South is wide open if the Colts suck and the Titans aren't going to be any good. So, I don't know. Remember, the Colts and Texans tied in Week 1, so that's why a 1-1 one one record for the Jaguars gets them first place. Uh, and then I, I would be remiss if we moved on, Randall, to this week's stuff without talking a little bit about the Patriots, because you got to give them your flowers a little bit, or give them the flowers a little bit. They won this game the other day, 17-14. It wasn't the prettiest game they've ever had, obviously. Uh, you know, Mac Jones did have a turnover. He threw an interception. They, uh, But for the most part, they did move the ball pretty well. Aguilar had a big game, a couple big plays, uh, you know, on defense as well. What were your thoughts on the Patriots taking down the Steelers in Pittsburgh? <sighs> John... I mean, was it a relief for you? Exhale. Relief. 
The only thing I got relief for is knowing that uh, Gunnar Oshevsky, the return man for Pittsburgh, is probably acting as a double agent for Bill Belichick. And that's the only reason why they won the game. He's a double agent, Gunnar Oshevsky. I mean, for those of you that don't know, he used to be a wide, he was a wide receiver and return man last year for the Patriots. Uh, and, he, and he missed a huge punt right off the face mask. And eventually the Patriots got that ball after punting and got in the red zone. They, they scored a touchdown, which would have won, which essentially won the game for them. Um, but Mac Jones didn't impress me much anymore. Um, he threw a couple more bad balls. That sh- He threw two balls right at the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense <laughs> chest, and they dropped interceptions, like right clear as day. Um, Jabari, uh, not Jabari Parker, Devontae Parker threw two games, one reception, two picks when he's been thrown to. Yeah, so, um, so here's the thing about him, too. I mean, he's a guy who's playing like 90% of the snaps. Would you rather see Kendrick Bourne getting those snaps? Oh, stop. It is ridiculous that Kendrick Bourne is not getting, like, he doesn't want, now, I get it. Jacoby Myers just had a 100-yard game. Um, and Aguilar. Then, uh, Aguilar is playing well. Aguilar had a 100-yard game. I get it. So, but that that was all he threw to was those two. And I get it. If, if, if you're completing passes to them, I'm fine to that. However, Kendrick Bourne is one of the top receivers on this team, in my opinion. And the reason why they're not throwing it to him, I do not know. But also, I'm going to go back to my point I made the other week. What did the Patriots do with such a well job of in that fourth quarter? They rushed the ball and ran for over 55 yards in that fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. However, on a couple key drives, second and five, with about four or five minutes to go, they're letting Mac drop back to pass instead of run to keep the clock going when they've been running the ball for over six yards on the day. I mean, I don't get it. Finally, the final drive after they forced Pittsburgh to have to punt again, all they did was run. They didn't put the ball in Mac's hands, and guess what happened? Pittsburgh knew New England was only going to run, 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 and Damian Harris still was able to get all these first downs. Could have happened so much earlier in the game, um, in the quarter. Run more time off. You can get first downs through this. I mean, because what happened was it was second and five, didn't get it because of Mac Jones. And then now you got to throw on third and five and you didn't get it again. And now you're punting to Pittsburgh who has a chance to march down to the field and win the game. I mean, the play calling has been atrocious. It's been an atrocity, John. <laughs> well, I mean, we can't say we didn't see it coming with the guys they have calling plays. And I don't want to sound like a, a broken record here, but you know, we talked about, we talk about it every week. Joe judge and Matt Patricia are unfit to call offensive plays. You know, Un- unfit is a very nice word for it. <laughs> I mean, unfit. I mean, I, I, I just can't believe it. I really can't believe what 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 I've been watching. Well, I mean, the good news for you is that they did win the game, so they they ended up picking up their first win of the season. So, if you're going on the basis that things can only get better. <laughs> which I guess is a, a realistic thought process here, then, you know, it, they'll get better because they can only go up from here if uh, if that's how you're thinking about it. But if, if you don't think about it that way, then it could be a long season for them. I know they have uh, a tough next couple games. Luckily for them, they will be at home this week. Um, all right, what else happened? Did anything else from week two that's worth mentioning before we move on to week three here and take a look ahead? The Giants beat no, the Panthers. A- They're now 2-0, and which is a surprise. 
Uh, you know, the Chiefs, we, we didn't really talk about. They beat the Chargers to start the week on Thursday night. Uh, Bengals lost to the Cowboys, which was, you know, sure very disappointing. Oh, I know one thing we didn't get the chance to talk about that you'll definitely want to talk about real quick is Trey Lance. Unfortunately. Oh, my goodness. How have we not talked about that, John? Yeah, I think we both got sidetracked here a little bit. Uh, Trey Lance, obviously terrible news for Trey Lance. Uh, you know, I don't. I think it goes without saying that no matter what our opinions are about Jimmy Garoppolo as a football player, and obviously I've been more of a of a Trey Lance guy this you know first couple episodes than you have. But no matter what we think about Jimmy Garoppolo and how good he can be or how whatever you think, it's you know it's terrible the way uh, the season ended for Trey Lance uh, and how it ended. Obviously, just his second year, the first time he'd been given a chance to start on an everyday base or every game basis. And in just his second start in really early quarter, uh, really early part of the game, he gets, uh, you know, his ankle snapped, essentially. He's out for the year. That being said, there is no better person to have right now as a backup than the guy they have. Jimmy Garoppolo, who's been with the team now for, what, five years, uh, four or five years, has been to the playoffs multiple times, all but one year, I think, was in the Super Bowl uh, you know, he's a guy who's got the experience, and as much as I said last week, his numbers don't always back it up. He does win the games. We went over the win-loss record last week, and what did he do in this game, Randall? He came in in relief and took care of business. They had a 20-point victory over the car, uh, over the Seahawks. Um, I believe if it weren't for the 24 nothing victory that the Jaguars had over the Colts, this would have been the largest margin of victory uh, on Sunday, at least, because then, of course, you had the Bills being the Titans by a million as well. Uh, but what a win it was, um, you know, for Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously. And again, terrible news for Trey Lance. Hopefully a speedy recovery for him. Hopefully he's able to come back next year healthy. Uh, but this was just, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, vintage Jimmy, stepping in and winning this game. He looked great, John. He looked phenomenal. And, and his number one tight end wasn't even playing. I mean... Is when does when is Kittle expected to come back? I mean, he's week to week right now. I'm pretty sure. Okay, so I mean, once he gets back, I mean, Jimmy G is gonna be doing turning some heads. I mean, they're going into Denver as favorites now, only one or two point favorites, but favorites nonetheless. Going on the road, I guarantee you they weren't doing that with Jimmy G. I mean, with uh, Trey Lance's quarterback. Well, we also, to be fair, we don't know what would have happened this past week. If he'd been able to play no, out the game. No, we, 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 we do not know that. However, we can infer from what we've seen in the past that it wasn't probably going to be... Well, it could have been okay. That's, it could have been okay. Look, this is, where been okay. You, this is where you and me differ because we only got a limited limit sample size, and I don't think Seattle's defense is very good, especially not without Jamal Adams. So if there was a chance for him to go out and play good against a team like them, a division rival in the second game of the season... He may have been able to do it, but that that's near here nor there. That's not what we're arguing about, or not we're not arguing, but that's not what we're talking about. So, yeah, go ahead. He got hurt. Jimmy came in, did a good job. Yeah. So what I am talking about is the fact that I really believe that the team wants Jimmy G to be the quarterback. You see the way they celebrated with him when he scored that touchdown. That's the love. Those guys see in the locker room. They see at the practice like. This is this is the guy that we need. Yeah. This this is the guy that we need to win now. They want to win now. And he's the guy. Well, he certainly has the pedigree. So I mean again, it's if there's a if there's a time for a guy to go down, which there never is for with a season ending injury, 
uh, in a position that's obviously not the position you want, but if there's a guy you want to have in that situation, it, you couldn't give me a better name than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, all right, let's move into this week's stuff. Before we do, quick couple updates here. Uh, in case anybody's wondering, I am watching the Yankees-Red Sox game right now because Aaron Judge is, is chasing history. He just struck out. So he tonight he's now 0-for-1 with two walks and a strikeout. Um, Yankees are winning one nothing though, so that's good. Also, Randall, update from the NFL. The Brown-Steelers game has already started as we finish recording our first episode here this evening. Uh, just to inform our viewers, or I should say our listeners, I took Pittsburgh plus four today, and you took Cleveland minus four. Uh, after one quarter of play in Cleveland, it's seven nothing Browns. They scored on a Jacoby Brissett passing touchdown to Amari Cooper, but the Steelers are on the Cleveland five yard line with first and goal. Uh, that will be the first play of the second quarter. So. Should have saw that coming. Every time a team scores, we saw it in the Buffalo-Tennessee game. Buffalo scores, Tennessee comes back, they're going to score. And then it, then it, then it, then it's game time. Then, yeah. it's, then it's really game time. I'll tell you, it's, I hope it's Najee Harris. I got him in fantasy, and I also put $10 on him anytime touchdown score tonight. So let's do it. Uh, anyway, works. yeah, we already said who we picked for each of those games. Not that it matters because, again, we're not going to do our full picks this year, if you're if you're just joining us this week for the first time, uh, but we will give you the records of our full picks. Randall, why don't you do the honors? Well, John, once again, the hard locks did not come up big for both of us. <laughs> we both went one and two again on the hard locks. However, overall picks, I went nine and seven. You once again another seven and nine week. So back to back, one and two on the hard locks for both of us. And another seven to nine week for you, and I take the lead overall. So right now, and this is obviously the early part of the season, so I'll be able to do the math quick enough. You and I are both two and four in our hard locks, and for the overall standings, you are sixteen and sixteen, and I am fourteen and eighteen. Does that sound right? Correct. All right. Well, thank you for the update. Uh, all right. So let's get to. Our hard locks, then, for this week, Randall. There's some good games on the dock. There's some tough spreads out there, though. Uh, Because you're in the lead with our overall picks, even though we're tied right now in hard locks, I'm going to defer to you for your first hard lock. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. My first hard lock is going to be... Is going to be... Chargers. Oh. Minus seven. Yeah, Jaguars coming to town. Jaguars coming to town. A little slice of humble pie, you think? It it was a questionable choice on mine, just because, you know, he's hurt. I don't know. Jaguars have been playing great. But, but, I like what I see. I like the potential there. So I'm going to go Chargers minus seven. Uh, All right, my first lock is going to be uh, the Chiefs minus five and a half over the Colts. The Colts are booty, as we've been over. We talked about it a little earlier. Matt Ryan looks cooked. I don't know if they'll get Pittman back this week or not, but if even if they do, I think the Chiefs are rolling right now. Uh, they had a nice victory against the Chargers, even though it wasn't like a blowout or anything. I think their offense is cooking nice, even without Hill there this year. Uh, you know, they've included a lot of running backs in the mix. Even Jarek McKinnon's getting involved. I'll take the Chiefs minus five and a half. I mean, I I, I, I want to go with them, but don't, don't the – 
don't the Colts have to heat up at some point, John? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. They tied the Texans week one, which I thought was one of the worst games they were going to play all year, and then they followed it up by getting shut out by 24 points by the Jaguars. So, you tell me. I mean... <laughs> and there it is. Najee Harris just rushed in for a touchdown for anybody well, who's I'm, scoring I'm, at home. I'm, I'm glad you were able to, to, to score on that. Um, however... My next pick is going to be New England plus three. Ooh, taking the underdogs, huh? I am, I am. What makes you so confident in New England at home this week? Their home, Bill Belichick, against the spread as an underdog. He, he's performed well sometimes. He's performed well. So that's all you're going to go with? The guy who's that's down on Mac? With. They're going to figure you're, it out, you know? You're down uh, on Mac right now. You've been down I'm on Belichick. Down on Mac. I think they keep this a game. New England's probably going to lose. However, however, I do like what I am seeing from Lamar Jackson. I mean, his elbow's hurting right now. I think the defense is shot up. They just signed um, Jason Pierre-Paul today. Um, so the Patriots did? Pit- no, no, no. Uh, Ravens did. Oh, 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 sorry. Yeah. But that's right. why I like I like New England. Okay. I mean, I can respect it. I'm just, I'm not going to follow you down that path. I'd consider taking the Ravens as a lock, but I don't think that I'm going to because a lot of the things you said are also true. Um, but I, I'm just not confident that it's going to result in a, uh, in a win for the Patriots. So I'm going to stick away from that game altogether. My second lock here is going to be my team, the Rams, three and a half on the road at Arizona. Uh, it's a much more manageable spread this week for them. Sean McVay owns the Cardinals since he's coached them. Uh, I don't see them losing this game. I think they're going to come back and, and play really well against this Arizona team that's been very inconsistent. So give me the Rams minus three and a half as a lock. Beautiful, John. And I'm going to go with another uh, foe of New England. I'm going to go with Buffalo Bills minus six and a half. Yeah, I think that they are the real deal, and I think that they are the Patriots of 2008. They're going to go undefeated this year. So the Bills, I have them at five and a half right now. Um, on what even I'm better, at. thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I was going to say I appreciate it too because my final lock is also the Bills minus five and a half on the road against the Dolphins. I know the Dolphins are two and zero. I think that's the only reason this spread is as close as it is because, quite frankly, the Bills murdered a Super Bowl winner last year by 21 points. They followed it up by winning by 34 points against the AFC champs from last year, the AFC first seed, I should say, from last year. Uh, and now they're playing a Dolphins team that, you know, they they show they can come back, but I, I really just like the Bills a lot this year. So I'll take them minus five and a half. Let it rip, baby. I love it. We got our hard locks. We got our hard locks. We'll have to uh, – hopefully they go better this week than they have. Both of us stayed away from that Packers-Bucks game, which right now is even. And a lot of people are hyped up on that because it could be the last time Rodgers and Brady face off. Oh, that's that even money now. Yeah, that was a – that game's been going back and forth a little bit. I see it right now at even money. So if you're like either one of those teams, now might be your best chance to get them. Beautiful. Um, all right, so that's hard locks. Uh, what else? Anything else on the agenda here tonight, Randall? John, that's about it. Let's go enjoy some football. Yeah, we've got the Browns-Steelers game already underway, so uh, we'll get this episode out sometime before the end of the 
game, but if you're watching it and wondering why the episode wasn't out beforehand, don't blame us. We have busy lives. We're sorry. Uh, but Randall, as I always do, even though I just kind of asked you already, uh, I'm going to ask you anyway. Is there anything that is burning up in your chest that you haven't had the chance to discuss tonight that you want to get to? John, the only thing I want to say is that I appreciate you as a broadcast partner, and I hope that the Rams get smoked this weekend. <laughs> All right, well, I will take it. I hope the Patriots get smacked around myself. Uh, I have want nothing to do with them having any sort of success ever, so I'll take your Rams <laughs> comment and raise you a Patriots one, and I'll say... Uh, good luck to the Ravens this weekend. 